A Walk Among the Stars, The Monsters, The Paranormal, and Supernatural. Join your tour guides, Justin and Josh, on this cryptic journey through life and beyond. Welcome to It's Cryptic Out There. to another episode of It's Cryptic Out There podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and sadly, once again, Josh is not with me today. Honestly, I don't know where he is, guys. I haven't spoken to him. He was supposed to move into his new place, and it's just down the road. Didn't see him there. Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything from him. So... Josh, if you're watching this, please come home. Please. With that being said, thank you all for uh, coming back. And I have a very, very interesting and creepy episode. How many of you have watched the movie Jeepers Creepers? It's an early 2000 movie. Uh, it stars Justin Long. He's a he's a very good actor. Uh, he's in a lot of horror movies. Uh, I watched this when I was, you know, five six years old. I've I've told this on the podcast before that uh, Jeepers Creepers, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. I watched all that stuff at like a very very early age, and to this day I'm hooked on the horror genre. If you can't already tell. <laughs> uh, so Jeepers Creepers. This movie was inspired by a, a true story. But let me just tell you the synopsis of the film before the very dark true story. Trish and her brother Derry are traveling home from college for spring break. As they drive through the Florida countryside, an old truck threateningly tailgates them, but eventually passes. They later observe the same truck parked next to an abandoned church, with the driver sliding what appears to be bodies wrapped in blood-stained sheets into a large pipe sticking out of the ground. Having noticed their car pass by, the driver pursues and runs them off the road. I won't tell you the full story, but it's a it's very uh, supernatural, but it's super good, super creepy. If you have if anybody's heard the Jeepers Creepers song, it's like a really old song. That's in it, and that plays a key part in the plot. Now, you just heard the beginning of the film. It is a disturbing setup that leaves you with a lot of questions, right? 
This altercation with Trish, Derry, and this mysterious violent driver was inspired by a true event that occurred on Easter Sunday, April 15th, 1990. A couple was on a weekend drive down along Snow Prairie Road, which is 12 miles from Coldwater, Michigan. The married couple was Ray and Marie Thornton, and they drove down the road traditionally. Not expecting a problem in the world, Ray glanced at his rearview mirror and what appeared was a Chevrolet van speeding up. The van was driving aggressively and dangerously. Ray and Marie knew this individual had some bad intentions, either with them or wherever they were going. This concerned the couple so much that they wrote down the license plate number as they did earlier joyfully playing a game. The idea of this game was making slogans from the license plates of passing vehicles. Comically, Marie saw the plate beginning with GZ and remarked, Geez, he's in a hurry. They would normally continue on down the familiar road until they soon approached an abandoned schoolhouse. What they also approached was the same aggressive van parked to the side of the schoolhouse. Shockingly, Marie would then see the driver of the van outside standing and was holding what appeared to be a bloody sheet. It was near behind the schoolhouse. Marie was startled but was still left with confusion and contemplating if what she saw was actually what she saw. Continuing to drive, it would leave the couple very concerned and they both thought about calling the police. They would soon be frightened again as they glanced at the mirrors revealing their aggressive van driving up on their bumper. The van would be behind them hostily for another two miles. After they had enough of this van, they turned off the highway just as the van suddenly pulled to the side of the road. Ray noticed that, then turned around to get the rear license plate of the van. They then would see the driver of the van crouch down at the rear changing the plate. The Thorntons would also see a shocking image. The passenger side door was open, but it was covered in blood. For some crazy and courageous reason, the Thorntons drove back to the schoolhouse to investigate. They got out of the car and walked behind the schoolhouse. They discovered the bloody sheet and would later on contact the Michigan State Police. The Thorntons would be told that the police were already trying to locate the man and his injured wife. Hmm, injured wife? But for what reason? Why would this man commit murder? Why would this man murder the one he loved? Yes, the murderer's name was Dennis Henry Depew, and he murdered his wife, Marilyn Depew. Dennis Henry Depew was born in 1943 in Michigan, which is where he would stay for his adult life and career as a property assessor. Marilyn would come in the picture, and they would marry in 1971. Marilyn was a well-known counselor at the high school in Coldwater. The Depews would have three children, a boy and two girls. Dennis's personality was very stressful and hard on Marilyn. Accusations of cheating, being controlling, 
and, quote, turning the children against him. Trying to make their marriage work, Marilyn had come to her breaking point. She filed for divorce in 1989, with Dennis sleeping in a home office in the garage. It didn't stop him from trying to get out and into the house. Even though Marilyn changed the locks on the doors, he still managed to get inside. December of that year came, and the divorce was final. Within the next five months, Dennis's dark nature went above and beyond, leading to his wife's murder. 1999, Easter Sunday. Dennis would arrive at home to pick up the two children. The younger daughter, Julie, refused to go with her father that day. Their son, Scott, didn't want to go with Dennis either. Dennis would get inside of the house, and he began to be very, very angry. Marilyn tried to intervene and calm Dennis, but it only made things worse. Dennis would begin to shout at Marilyn with accusations and grabbing her aggressively. Marilyn would try to escape the grip of Dennis, and the fight would escalate towards the basement stairs. Dennis shoved his wife down the stairs walked down towards her and started to beat her. The children saw it all. The oldest daughter, Jennifer, would yell at Dennis, telling him to stop, begging him to stop. Jennifer ran outside to the neighbor's home, and that is where she would call the police. He would drag Marilyn up the stairs and informed his children he was taking her to the hospital. However, they never went to the hospital. Jennifer's 911 call led the police on a widespread investigation in finding Dennis. After the Thornton's reports, the police targeted Dennis as the prime suspect. Forensics traveled to the schoolhouse and collected evidence and documented the fresh tire tracks from Dennis's van. They would match the tracks, leading Dennis in deep shit. It took a day to locate Marilyn's body. A highway worker discovered her and noticed she was shot in the back of the head by a road that was between the schoolhouse and their home. Dennis would be on the run, a fugitive. Weeks had gone by, and Dennis would conduct a series of bizarre, cryptic letters to family and friends. The letters suggested that killing Marilyn was justifiable. Seventeen letters were written, but were sent to different locations, Iowa, Oklahoma, and Virginia. The writings were rants about his wife lying, playing tricks on him, and how he was too old to start over. It was March 20th, 1991. Dennis changed his name to Hank Green and had a girlfriend that was living in Dallas, Texas. When she arrived home one night, Dennis, or Hank, told her he had to make an emergency trip back home because his mother was very ill. Alright, this is one of the craziest parts of the story. Unsolved Mysteries was playing on the television during their conversation. That episode specifically discussed a man named Dennis Depew and how he murdered his ex-wife. 
Freaking out over the episode, Dennis distracted his girlfriend by requesting her to make sandwiches for his long trip back home to Michigan. The distraction was successful, and Dennis said goodbye to his girlfriend. It would be later noted the girlfriend had a suspicious feeling she would never see him again. Her best friends would be the ones to connect the dots and told police he had been in Texas. Dennis had once again changed the plate on the van, but the Unsolved Mysteries episode would be a big help in confirming they were fake Texas license plates. He would be in a high-speed chase at the Mississippi state border. Across the state line, Mississippi authorities waited for the Louisiana police and even the FBI to alert to say the man was wanted for murder. Dennis drove through the roadblocks and shot at the police, but the back tires of the van would be shot out, causing Dennis to stop. It was near 4 a.m. in the morning. Dennis knew his life would be over. He turned his gun towards him and committed suicide. His bloody body would be lifeless in his van. This would be the end of the nightmare, but the start of a traumatic life for Dennis and Marilyn's children. All right, well, crazy dude, yeah. Insecure, yeah. What'd you guys think of this story? People just snap. Uh, I tried to find some backstory or some uh, history on Dennis. If he, uh, if he had like a troubled upbringing to make him feel the need to kill somebody. Uh, but I couldn't find anything. Uh, maybe I can look it up later on and, uh, update you guys on the socials about it, but, uh, yeah, he just snapped, he's just a jealous guy, um, very disturbing looking guy, uh, I mean, if you haven't seen the, the portrait of him and his wife, it's ghoulish, like, he looks like he's dead, and, I honestly might actually print that portrait out and put it on the wall just because of how creepy and eerie that that is. <laughs> anyway, Josh is going to love that if he ever comes back. <sighs> so, going back to Jeepers Creepers, Victor Salva, I guess that's how you say his name, is an American filmmaker. He has been primarily worked in the horror genre. Most notably as the writer-director of the commercially successful Jeepers Creepers and its sequels Jeepers Creepers 2 and Jeepers Creepers 3. Outside of horror, Salva wrote and directed the fantasy drama film Powder. Now, Powder, I've never seen. Everybody uh, talks about it, but I've never seen it because it creeps me out by the main character. He's just white. And I'm not talking about Caucasian. I'm talking about this wall white. And he's bald too, so it's just, it's really eerie to me. (laughs) I'll get around to watch it. Anyway, here is what really 
makes this movie even more disturbing? The director. In 1988, now this was before Jeepers Creepers was filmed, Salva was convicted of sexual misconduct with one of the Clown House's underage stars, who was 12 years old at the time, and videotaping one of the encounters. Clown House was another 80s horror movie that he directed. I've never seen it. Um, Commercial videotapes and magazines containing child pornography were also found in his home. Salva pleaded guilty... Um, he had oral sex with a person who was under 14 and wanted him to do pornography. He was sentenced to three years in state prison, of which he served 15 months. (laughs) He completed his parole in 1992. Jesus Christ. This is the problem, guys. He went to prison, right? He's just locked up. They don't... They don't study him. They don't... Uh, counsel him. Give him medication or whatever. So I'm sure he's probably... Still a pedophile. Later on in his career, when he got out of prison... Uh, he went on hiatus, which... I mean... He did not make another film for five years. He worked as a telemarker during the week and wrote scripts during the weekend, supposedly delivering them to well-known producers while posing as a delivery boy. Hmm. His next film was The Nature of the Beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The film Powder was also uh, in 1995. The tale of an albino boy with special powers that make him an outcast. At the time of the film's release, Salva's conviction became known to the public when his victim came forward. Oh, wow. Calling for the film's boycott. Disney officials stated that they had been informed of Salva's crime only after production of Powder had begun. Oh, wow. So it was a Disney production. Salva made rites of passage. Uh, the film depicts a homophobic father who unwittingly pushes his gay son into the arms of a psychotic. Oh my god. Alright, 2001. Salva wrote and directed Jeepers Creepers, which was a breakout hit and set a record for the largest Labor Day box office ever. Wow. Okay. Salva followed up with his sixth feature film, Jeepers Creepers 2, breaking his old record and setting another Labor Day milestone. Wow. Principal pornography began in February 2017 for another sequel, Okay, uh, Jeepers Creepers 3, which was released in September of that year. His next film after Jeepers Creepers 2 was Peaceful Warrior. Yeah, those don't matter. But yeah, I just thought I would add the director's story to Jeepers Creepers because that is very disturbing. Let's see where he's at today. Victor Salva. His face does look familiar. Uh, I'll put it up on the screen. 
Will Victor Salva make Jeepers Creepers 4? Director Tim, I don't know how to pronounce that, confirmed that Victor Salva would not be involved or benefiting from the production. Good. Good. Alright, well, I mean, he's still alive. I wonder if he's... When was his last film? Let's, let's see when his last film was. It was Jeepers Creepers 3. Alright. And that was 2017. I'd say nowadays, where people call out everybody, he ain't making another film ever again. <laughs> I can see that happening. Alright, well, what'd you guys think of this story? What do you think of Dennis? Very, very, very creepy. Thank you all for listening and watching. Like I said, Josh is gone. I don't know where he is, and I'm sorry. If you have a story you would like to share, please leave a voicemail on the Cryptic Hotline, 540-358-1583. You can even text, but we'd love to hear your voice. It's a three-minute limit, but you could always call back and continue on with the story. Follow our socials. We're on everything. Uh, please follow us on Spotify. Rate and review us if you think we deserve a five-star. Even on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. If you see a van driving aggressively, make a U-turn. Don't go where he's going. And lastly, watch your back. It's cryptic out there.